Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Today's episode is about MASH, so we're heading down to the swamp, talking about the differences between Trapper John and BJ Anycut, how to do an emergency tracheotomy, and what's Klinger's best dress. Okay, no, but I had you going for a minute. No, we're talking about mashing and how it makes the thing that brings us all together, alcohol. So if you fire up your own still, don't tell us that's illegal. But we may have a martini and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you can learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, someone's, someone's back. Howdy ho. Back yeah. again. Ish. Guess who's back? <laughs> Tell, Tell your friends <laughs> to stay away. Yes, indeed. I'm back from, from the world of Denver, Mile High City, hmm. High Mile City. I don't know. Mile High City. Yes. Um, oh, well, high club. They certainly are, are high, that's for sure. <laughs> I've never seen so many um, pot smokers on the street and, and whiffs of weed. Um, hey, yeah. hey, hey, hey. Until you, you get a uh, uh, hemperer, but that's, that's another <laughs> special episode. <Yeah. laughs> so, uh, regale us with your tales. Uh, what kind of breweries did you hit? Where'd you go? Um, didn't really hit a whole lot of breweries there. Um, I'm in DC right now, but I fly home tomorrow. So, um, tonight I'm, I'm just kind of taking it slow, but I did go to capital city brewing, uh, to yesterday. Didn't see any of their equipment. So I don't know if they actually brew there on premise or not, but, uh, they got some pretty decent beers. Um, was able to go to a Rockies game while I was in Denver though. So that was fun. Rockies is baseball. Okay. I was going to guess say, that. Table yeah. I say we went there, but there were no games going on because of the time we were there. Yeah. yeah. There are uh, okay. As someone who like enjoys baseball games, there are a lot of major league teams whose names I don't know. Oh yeah, it's because there's so many teams. Um, the uh, the stadium had a lot of good beers on. I mean, you would expect it for Denver, right? But uh, but they had a lot of good stuff on. I mean, they there, have a so. Blue Moon Tap Room there on premise so mm. i drink a lot of the the more local stuff um you know even though blue moon is kind of very local to denver uh it's still more national so yeah. Yeah. Uh, i did get some of the more local stuff get and they in. actually won so that was kind yeah. of a surprising surprising thing um which is pretty cool it's like when the yeah. reds win it's like truly something to celebrate now <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and they were playing against the the mets i believe mm. you are you're playing some New York team. I think it was the Mets. What local stuff did Mets, you get? Did you have Mets an... or Yankees? <laughs> yeah, I think it was the Mets. 
Did you happen to get any uh, Jagged Mountain? I wouldn't imagine they had that on no, the draft park. No, didn't get no. any. Most of the stuff that I had was like Citra-based hops okay. and uh, Cascade and things like that. So it was all the citrusy it. hop stuff, yeah. IPAs. That's about right. Um, I did oh. stop in. Oh, I did stop in one brewery. Very tiny. Um, oh, where? What was that? Starts with a W. Um, Not sure, but while Casey's trying to remember it, now I can think of right now after saying Citra Hops and knowing he's out there, he's like, "Oh, Citra Hops, <laughs> take me home." <laughs> Wincoop. That was oh, Wincoop. Wincoop. Okay. Okay. Um, was not uh, pleased at all because I sat <laughs> at the I sat at the bar for ten minutes. The bartender never took an order, so I got up and left. <laughs> wow! I said I'm not waiting ten minutes for every drink that I get. So uh, I was excited too because they had some like sodas, some some root beer on tap that I wanted to try, and the brewery was tiny. Mm. Um, so it was it was really kind of a neat place but at the same time i wasn't about to spend time there were they busy or was he just ignoring you um the bar was only about half full and there were two bartenders so wow uh yeah i don't know it was just it was odd and there were were you wearing your push-up bra i was not (laughs) that may have been the the thing um i looked to the guys to the right of me and three of them had empty beer glasses so it wasn't just you yeah Yeah. and he wasn't like running around with his head you know chicken with his head cut off type of he seemed very kind of methodical in what he was doing he just didn't want to help you that that may have been the case um i even had my cash out i was like hey i'm listening i'm right here ready to pay cash you don't have to run it with a card you Mm -hmm. get you get a tip immediately and you don't have to wait for the payout like it's no. going in your pocket, and then you're like, nope, it's going back in my pocket, and I'm going somewhere <laughs> yep. else. Yeah, and so I went and, and bought a $10, 16-ounce beer at the ballpark. About <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, what about you guys? Um. Well, mostly I've been working. I've been getting ready for tomorrow. I've got a big... I've got... Work dinner sounds more fancy than it is. It's just like a reward for what we're doing. Mm. Like we we did well a couple months, and our boss said, "Look, we'll take you out to go eat." So apparently, we're going to Hibachi. Yeah, Hibachi. We're going down to Miyako, down Mm. in town, and uh, getting some. I was like, "All right, fine. You'll pay for my Hibachi, and I'm going to buy way too much sushi." Mm. (laughs) Just know what's going to happen. Boats. You need the sushi boats. If they do it, you just tell them you want an armada. Tell them to just shut the grill down, (laughs) fill it with water, and you need. They need to bring out the sushi armada and float it. So Mm. my question is: I feel like I should probably just drink sake, but Mm. should I like just say like, no, bring me some, bring me some soju? Should I go hard liquor? Is what I'm saying. Yes, yes, you should. Uh. Throw them for a loop by knowing what soju is. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would almost opt for like a Japanese beer or something. Mm. Okay. Not not necessarily it's a work function. It's 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 around coworkers and we're all off the clock. Yeah. So it's not necessarily however things could go sideways quickly. So True. I mean if there's there's one thing that banking needs it's people that enjoy soju. <laughs> uh, all right. I just kind of wanted to get someone else's opinion before I uh, I just start running in there going, all right. Fellow up. Are there any shoju mixed drinks? 
I don't have know. To be. I mean, right? All right, I mean, that's, that's gonna have to be homework. We got to figure that one out. <laughs> Again, we still have to do our soju episode. So mm, yeah, um, we'll add that one to the list. So we have not been up to anything. Yeah, um, I had uh, an interview that uh, after they read my resume, uh, they called me right beforehand and said, "Hey, you want to relocate this thing?" I was like, uh, "Getting ready to leave? Just tell me where I'm going." They're like, "All right, let's go down to Alexandria Brewing Company." <laughs> All right, let's go to the brewery for the job interview. Uh-huh. Sure, how does your resume say functioning alcoholic? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, just not in so many words, but. Um... But that was that was fun to suddenly start. He's got the podcast listed on there, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like I'm works. just impressed you put your podcast or the podcast on there. That's brave. I think uh, I put that on my last one, or at least I mentioned it during the interview, because I figured if he was going to give me the credit for the job, it wasn't going to happen until he wasn't going to listen to anything till after I had the job. Mm, it's true. Maybe. I but look at it maybe. as more of an experience thing. Like, yeah. I I can talk. I can I can interact with people. You know, like, there's... I can there's aimlessly talk for hours on end. I know what the internet is. You know, things like that are good to, to let people know. I know what the internet is for porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was, nice. uh, that was fun. I didn't get to whip any show knowledge out until... Till the very is like we were basically saying goodbye, and they're like, "So, what'd you think of the beer?" And they had a Kentucky Common, so I got the Kentucky Common, and then I had to explain to them yeah, what's, so, what's so special about a Kentucky Common. <laughs> and then we sat there for a few minutes. They just kind of looked at me and nodded and went, "Okay." <laughs> and I was like, "All right, I am a nerd. I'm gone. See you guys." <laughs> yes. So what happens when anyone asks me about anything comic book related? <laughs> I am a nerd. I'm gone. that's all of us for like any given topic i think all right well i believe we have some announcements and we have an update that i can't wait to hear yeah and like none of us have actually heard this one yet (laughs) Uh oh drum roll yeah so uh, a little update on the uh movie draft Welcome to your B-Team Movie Draft Minute, presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of June 25th, 2018. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. I'm recording this standing outside, so if anyone asks, I'm outstanding. Let's go to the scoreboard. <laughs> Team Walking Drunks in last place thanks to a $6 million start from Uncle Drew, bringing the total to $56.2 million. Team Devon Squad is in 5th place with $369.1 million. Team Ritual Miseries in 4th place with $377.9 million. Team Game Nights in 3rd place with $444.8 million. Team Have a Drink falls to 2nd place with $750.1 million. And thanks to a $7.5 million debut from Sakai. Mario 2 Soldado and a 400 plus million dollar weekend from Incredibles 2, your number one spot goes to Team Movie Party with $792.4 million. That's your movie draft minute. All told is accurate as of June 30th, 2018. Yeah. Oh, thank you, big voice Jay, but uh, congratulations. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't think Crazy Rich Asians is going to put no, us over the it's top. It's not. We, we knew this was coming, and uh, I think we had a really good indication that it was going to be Incredibles 2 that did it to us. Yeah. You have, yeah. You have not seen the population of women that's going to go to that movie. <laughs> <laughs> really? Are you, are you expecting, like, a, a bridesmaids kind of... Oh, no. This is, even, this is going to be even more along the lines of, like, um, The Notebook. Really? Oh. That type of crowd, I think. Really? I think so. I well, think how do you get that from those trailers? Oh, 
What well, is the normal? It's, it's like, what is the I normal? I should not be undercutting. I was like, those trailers are great, Bob. <laughs> what is the normal <laughs> middle-aged woman <laughs> into it, nowadays? Like, I'm I'm go watch completely... it six times. Think of it like, um, like those folks that watch the Kardashians. This is the movie for them. Really? I think so. Let's. I think so. I think Casey's high. Get that emperor out of his hand. Yeah, the emperor. The oh god, the emperor kicked in. The Kardashian <laughs> thing just makes me want to die. Um, like you say oh. that too, and I'm like, I want to rego. I want to undo our bed. <laughs> um, speaking of that sort of TV, let me just put this out there. The no, uh, the won't. lady who played Honey Boo Boo's mom. Nope. Let's move on to the next segment. Mama June announcements. No, I has can't. her own reality show now. Of After she had, she, does. she had the surgery and lost yes. like 400 pounds or something. And, now and I don't, I don't watch a whole up. lot of TV, but I was flipping through the hotel television and <laughs> stumbled upon this, and I was curious because uh, it was, it was on to her old husband who was going around and trying to to hook up with other women who was. Um, what what her size used to be. Wow. And so um apparently she's doing some underwear modeling now. Ooh. Ooh. Our next episode will be live Saturday, <laughs> June thirtieth, nine PM Eastern Standard Time, covering the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> exactly. I still remember when uh Mama June was uh referred I to lovingly, out of that one, guys. I know. Lovingly on Reddit as a human thumb. Because she looked like a thumb. The only reality TV I'll stick to is that provided by Netflix in the form of Queer Eye or The Nailed It Show, which the Queer Eye (laughs) Fab Five are going to be on, and I have to watch that episode. So, Mm. I am excited, as uh, Justin was just saying, for uh, the Boston Tea Party episode coming up. Yeah, our next historical episode, because we haven't done one of those in a minute. Because, I mean, it requires a dissertation. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) So it, it, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, we're going from uh, your your biology and chemistry course this week to, uh, <laughs> to history. history course next week. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to all the episodes of Have a Drink, we will send you a certificate of completion that you graduated <laughs> from the Have a Drink Institute. <laughs> uh, it will yeah. lose you jobs, but you're more than welcome. <laughs> that needs it to will be lose thing. you jobs, but it will uh, earn you glares and disdain at every bar. As you spout off your useless knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, in the announcements, <laughs> uh, we want to thank everyone supporting us over at patreon.com slash have a drink show. Um, if you would like to just give us a dollar a month um, or more than that, if you want to do five dollars a month, um, that all helps us greatly. And you get some perks like special Discord access, free stickers, the quarterly Patreon video call that we totally need to plan still. Which we just got uh, a new game to play when we're going to do oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 yeah, that's what the Steam sale is for. We're we're almost ready. <laughs> uh, and then um, Patreon exclusive episodes. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're into that kind of thing, a dollar a month, not a big deal. Like, that's, that's nothing, you know? Um it's less than a cup of coffee you can get almost anywhere at this point so uh (laughs) just keep that in mind uh if you want to help support the show and 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 you want to you know get you you get as tom Merritt says you get value (laughs) from from i want to give the i want to give the ritual misery you know jingle for but then that gets an explicit label yeah we'll avoid that for now yeah 
But very much, and uh, don't forget those Patreon episodes. We're going to figure out which one of those we're going to release out because we got a whole bunch of them in the can that yeah, we're just kind of yeah, sitting right. on. I've got a couple edited now. Uh, and the one we put in the main feed, so um, just to give you guys a taste of what that is, if you're interested in becoming a patron, um, we do have... Oh, God, which one did we actually upload for the main feed? Uh, we did the uh, uh, Deconstructed Bomb. Yes, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Prairie mm. Bomb uh, tasting of the Deconstructed, I guess, version of it. Um, and so the, that one's up in the main feed. And we did have one of the other Patreon ones released, but we're going to you know kind of space those out a bit. I need to go back and uh, re-listen to some of those because I don't remember them. I wasn't that drunk. I just don't remember them. It's been it's, it's weird. It's been a minute and a lot's happened since then, you know? You know what else well, happened since then? And that was then? a long day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. You know what else happened since then? A little news. Uh, indeed. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, you get to bear with me here because we have a, a weird work. We're going to work some timelines here as we go through this because something has been brewing down in Texas. And it's not just beer. It, it's from Amazon. Deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start this with one side of the story. So uh, I like how they quote at the top of this. Alexa, bring me a glass of rosé. Oh, God. Does Sorry. She, <laughs> she probably did in the other room. Uh, good news for anyone who finds themselves in desperate need of alcohol in the Lone Star State. Amazon has just announced that it has extended its offer for free two-hour booze delivery for Prime members. To a, that would be very dangerous for me. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of major cities in Texas are doing it. Uh, Amazon first introduced free quick delivery on beer, wine, and sometimes spirits in 2015 in its home base of Seattle, Washington. Since then, ill-prepared uh, partiers across the country have waited patiently as the online shopping giant began rolling out the service in other major metropolitan areas. Now you can add uh, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, Houston, and San Antonio to that list, at least for beer and wine. For those in need of a refresher to use the service, you must first be an Amazon Prime member, which now costs $120 a year. I remember when I signed up for, what was it, it was like, wasn't quite 70 I was going to say, like, well, well you probably also had the student discount, which makes it like 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. That's, no, I got mine on a Black Friday deal when I signed up. Mm. Uh, but from there, you can get free two-hour delivery via Prime now during select hours, depending on the city. Uh, if you need even faster alcohol turnaround, uh, you know that can happen. You can shorten your delivery window to just one hour for a $5 delivery fee. Yes, it's a tough call. I don't want to think. When I mean, you need it, you need it. Can they bring me KBS? <laughs> uh, around if here they could right bring now, me maybe. KBS on demand within the hour, I would be... Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I, w I would order pizza and then beer and then see which one gets there first. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think we can – I know we can do beer in Cincinnati. I don't think we can do uh, liquors or wine. But I know for certain you can get beer from Amazon. Um, as of this last cycle – um, speaking of, uh, we, we talked a little bit about hemp, I think, in our last show, mm. uh, the news show. Yeah. Uh, two big two big things came through. First one, national politics. As of Thursday of this week, hemp is now legal to grow throughout the U.S. and supported by the government. So there's that one. Um, and then the second big one came in Kentucky when earlier this year 
the companies that can del- can finally do deliveries can do beer, liquor, and wine. All three. Woo! Yeah. Kentucky wow. It's been a long time. time coming, baby. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, all right. So we've done uh, the first part of this story and talking about Amazon. So not everyone was going to take that uh, on the on the chin, as it were. H E B. Not not real sure who that is. I'm sure if you live in Texas, I mean, that you... is ringing a lot of bells. Yeah. Uh, in a take uh, take that Amazon move, HEB said Friday as it started delivering beer and wine in Austin, San Antonio, Corpus Christi, and Houston. The service will eventually be offered through HEB's Dallas-based Central Market Division. Uh, that was from a spokeswoman. HEB is using recent ac- recent acquisition of Favor, an Austin-based on-demand delivery company, to carry out the new service that sounds like a direct response to Amazon's announcement last week. Hmm, probably is. Amazon added beer and wine uh, to its Prime Now two-hour delivery service in Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, Houston, and San Antonio. Hmm, did I just list off all those cities? Yep. Uh, (laughs) San Antonio, the home for HEB. HEB is offering the deliveries for free this summer. Through Labor Day, you can get free delivery on your beer. Hmm. Uh, Look for H-E-B beer and wine section on the Favor app. There's no minimum, but a $2 runner tip is required. That's That's fine. I would give more. Yeah, that's less than I would give. I would definitely tip more. Especially if it was, uh, it probably wouldn't be cold when it got to you. I doubt that. Mm, That's true. Probably depends on the state's laws on Yeah. Right, that Cold weirdness. Uh, well, serv- it's all Texas, so whatever their laws are. Yeah. It, it comes with a free gun. The service which <laughs> delivers in under an hour isn't available in Dallas-Fort Worth yet, uh, but HEB has a few stores on the outer edges of Dallas-Fort Worth in Burleson? And I don't Burleson. Even, I'm not even trying that other one. Starts with <laughs> W. Osachachi. You got Osachachi. it right there. It operates in the Nailed Dallas it. area with its central market stores. So, yeah. Uh, if you are in Texas, you are in the land of getting alcohol delivered to you right now. Just, uh, Man. it's amazing. I can't think of anywhere else where that would make the most, more like, more sense than it does. Like, I... <laughs> Somehow, I don't know why, and this is just, like, I'm just picturing one person in particular just having wine and beer sent to them all the time. And that person is Bryce Castillo. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But I I, I don't know. Like my my, my liquor store will deliver to me. I I just refound the notice where they'll do that now. Yeah. So So, like there it's less than a mile away and they'll deliver to me. And I'm like, how lazy am I? (laughs) I'm Um, pretty lazy. I'm also a shut-in. They promised uh, two-hour delivery, like, no matter what. Like, they'll get it to you in two hours. Like, kegs to bottles. Like, they'll get it to you. Holy crap, I could have a keg delivered to me. <laughs> right now, I could get Weller Special Reserve delivered in D.C. Forty-nine ninety-nine. Why are you not doing this? Wow. Do it right now. <laughs> do it right I've now. i got two bottles at the house. I don't need it, but... I will send you money so you can do it. <laughs> And then you give it to me. <laughs> it's a really long delivery I'm waiting for, but it, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So also no, got Blanton's. Um, I want to do an update real quick uh, since we started talking uh, Weller. 
So the barrel pick that our friend Jim, uh, where he works, the store, they did a barrel pick for Weller. Um, it was completely sold out, uh, over 200 bottles in less than half an hour. Oh. Mm. Uh, there was a line that was multiple hundreds of people deep before the store even opened. Yeah. I'm not surprised by all of that. It was kind of insane. Uh, not even employees got a bottle of it. And apparently they even had more than their barrel pick. They even got a couple cases of just regular Old Weller Antique in. Huh. Kind of, I think it was like a consolation. I guess the barrel may have been you know less uh, less ounceage than they were expecting. So the I think <gasps> Buffalo Trace was just like, oh, here, uh, to make up for it, here's a case of this. <laughs> Weller 12 is $169 a bottle. Ooh. Delivered to the door. Unreal. <laughs> so... I have to wonder, because uh, I'm just picturing like the worst version of this, where there's the sad alcoholic, yeah, just ordering in. Yeah, I picture when it comes to that. I picture um, uh, what was the Mike Judd movie? Mike Judge with uh, ah, cra- extract. Oh, and it gets to the guy who's just constantly getting Domino's delivered, and he's getting like two liters of uh, <sighs> Pepsi. And he says, mass two liters of Pepsi. I just picture basically that guy, only it's liquor. Two liters yep. of liquor. <laughs> oh, God, what liquor can you get in two liters? Oh. Uh, Tavarsky. Um, well, this so. has my, my interest peaked at this point, so yeah, we're, you've we're lost me it. for the rest of the night. He's <laughs> now done a rabbit hole. Oh, his- you can get it. Happy Van Winkle, twenty-three year family reserve. How much delivered? Twenty-five hundred bucks. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh um, your god! That <laughs> is that's not too much more than what going price is right now. Because I'm hearing like a hundred per year is what it's being charged for right now. So that's not too bad. So, well, I mean, it's bad. Too bad. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I'm it's sorry, not. we don't all have a callback to the pre-show. We don't all have housekeeper money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can get a 10-year for 500 bucks. God, that hurts. I'll, I'll pass. Uh, I'll, wait for, can... uh, I'll wait for the Pappy run, and we'll see if our numbers get called. I can buy Hamilton tickets in Louisville for that amount. Mm. <laughs> oh, do you see what's coming ha- to Louisville? Hamilton, uh... Hamilton ticket. Tickets. Tickets. Mm. Well, you know what that would cover? That would cover tickets for all of us to go to, um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? It's coming to Louisville podcast. Armantown. What's their live show? No. Uh, Night Vale. Oh, welcome welcome to Night Vale. They're bringing the live show to Louisville. And I was just like, oh, very tempting. Freaking Look, I'm, I'm daily arguing about buying a Hamilton ticket for $500. (laughs) Oh. oh my goodness! That hurts. What? what? I hear the oh my goodness. Oh, no, he's Hamilton just saying. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, they're expensive. All right, they are. Uh, that'll wrap news here. But if you'd like some more beer, wine, and other beverage news, you can check out our news only show. Yes, we have a have a drink news. This week we talked about the Beavertown Brewing fiasco, uh, THC sparkling water, and Guinness opening a brewery in the U.S. USA, hmm. USA. <laughs> So, yeah, USA. We, uh, we used to do a lot more news on this show, but we needed to make room for more uh, actual content, like the topic. Uh, 
<laughs> you know. So we we decided to scoot a lot of that off so we could also expand on it because there were a lot of stories we never had time to get to. Now we have the time to get to them all on their own feed. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out at Have a Drink News. And I believe we have some untapped. Get riggedy, riggedy, All right. First up, we've got a core badge update. <laughs> All right, it's been a while, but the time has finally come. We're back with a new set of core badges for you to unlock as you continue to explore the world of beer. The following badges are available today and are not retroactive unless you have enabled retroactive badges in your app settings. So I did, and then I checked into a beer that uh, qualified for one of these, and it immediately maxed it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well... We've got Brewery Pioneer. Check into any beer from five different breweries. Level up to 100. Was it that one, Chris? It was. <laughs> that one's not hard at all. Uh, there's also Old is New. Check into five beers from uh, the style Old Ale. Hmm. Uh, we've, we've got Small But Not Forgotten. Check into five different beers from the following European countries slash territories. And Dora... I almost said Endoria. I was like, no, that's a planet in Star Trek. <laughs> uh, Channel Islands, Faro. Uh, Faro? I think it's Faro. Faro. I think it's Faro, but uh, Gibraltar. I just Greenland. want a beer from Gibraltar. <laughs> yeah, like, what is that even? Uh, Isle of Man, Liechtenstein, Malta, Monaco, Cyprus, San Marino, or Luxembourg. Okay, Isle of Man. Is there even. A brewery on Isle of Man. It's not a large island. Those not... druids definitely there's... brewed some beer. Yeah, that's... <laughs> there's a there's a brewery on the Isles of Langerhands, but that's wow. a biology joke, uh, an anatomy <laughs> joke, really. Good job. Uh, smooth as silk. Choking to five beers, the serving style nitro, not for Brittany. It says that right here in the text. Mm. Uh, Viennaville, check into five different beers the style Lager Vienna uh, tag your it tag, into, uh, tag any friend in 15 different check-ins during a 60 day period uh, alright hmm. that would be trickier for us yeah Yeah. Uh, in lighter time, check into five different beers the style of India Pale Lager IPL uh, that goes up to 100 as well and then they have a list of core badges to vote for of course uh we've always said it's been a while since we've gone through them go vote for the core badges come on guys i mean you can you can get haze for days seems to be a, <laughs> you a could, leader you could get brew at the zoo it's a little bit down the list we've been but... pushing brew at the zoo for a long time <laughs> because, because we have a zoo because we have multiple <laughs> zoos around us and we could level that baby up hmm. uh bacon in the balkan Checking the five different beers in the countries: Albania, Bosnia, and Herzegovina, Serbia, and Mace- Serbia, Macedonia, Montenegro, and Kosovo. I, I'm kind of like to have. Go ahead, sorry. I was just saying, I'm kind of like a pool party. Five different places five. as a pool or bathhouse. I want to be drinking at the bathhouse. <laughs> I kind of want to be drinking at the bathhouse. I do not, however, want to be in the bathhouse. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, Kvas Check into five different Yin and Yang. Check into five different breweries from North or South Korea. Never getting that one, guys. <laughs> nope, no one's ever getting that one. Well, South Korea, maybe if it's somewhere and you can actually get that question mark. Son of May. Check into five different beers from a brewery uh, located in Argentina. That is the bottom of the list. Most mm. of these are location 
based. Like, yeah. you got yeah. Turkey, Bulgaria. Well, I like... Uh, Chile. So, Haze for Days, I can see that one. That'll probably be the next one, because let's just check into five yeah. New Englands. Or Ye Old Pub, how's that not already one? Check into five different venues with a category of pub, Irish pub, or gastro pub. Yeah, that'd be really easy to hit. So, I think both those, those will definitely be, before the year's out, you'll have those two as available badges. I just, like, how is Brew at the Zoo so far down? I don't get that. It, <laughs> because you on, don't guys. drink at the zoo. Come on, we do. Don't. Well, we do, but, you know, we're, we, we have, have a podcast. We have That's problems. my new way of saying we have a problem. <laughs> we have a podcast. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of people with problems, uh, let, let's keep scooting through these. Let's just say, how is that? Okay, uh, yes, the next badge on the list is uh, Off Center Your Summer. Of course, this is from Dogfish Head. Uh, add a little off-centered goodness to your summer plans with Dogfish Head and their innovative new cooler pack. Just add ice. Plus, with a slew of new cans ready for you to grab and go, Dogfish Head has you covered for all your warm weather activities. Um, so while you're in, while you're out enjoying your off-centered brews, be sure to check in, and you can get. Um, uh, you got to check in between July 1st, which is um, as of the day of recording tomorrow, uh, and September 4th. So you got Woo! a good minute <laughs> uh, to unlock the off center of your summer badge. Um, and then you can keep enjoying Dogfish Head all summer long and earn up to the three levels that this badge has. Now you have to check into. These on my, I can get this badge on my birthday, guys. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. Uh, so um, these are the beers listed for you to be able to check into to get this badge. You get the 60-minute IPA, uh, the Sea Quench Ale, which is kind of amazing, mm. oh, uh, yes. the Flesh and Blood IPA, which also is their amazing. blood orange, uh, Namaste White, good, 90-minute IPA, amazing, oh yeah, <laughs> Loopy Luau, solid, <laughs> and then the Liquid Truth Serum, amazing, yeah, <laughs> every one of those beers are like great beers, like I there's no it. and really good for summer. I would yeah. love to bring a huge pack of of 90-minute IPA. Mm. in one of their case you know their their (laughs) things and just dump ice in and go all right guys party on wayne (laughs) (laughs) party on garth uh (laughs) any of these sound just fine like oh the sea quench though is so good like if if you haven't even if you don't think you're gonna like a tart beer freaking try the sea quench like the black limes oh i can't (laughs) yeah i still like good refreshing beer I still yeah. like giving that one to, you know, people who are standard lager, light lager drinkers. And then be like, oh, yeah, that's great. And it's like, you don't even realize what you're drinking is like this wild out there kind of <laughs> beer style. And you're just like, oh, no, this is good. Black Lime Gosa. Mm. So good. Yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on from the off-centered badge, let's go a little bit more uh, to some other uh, other continents and go for the built that's all folks uh, <laughs> that's Belgium folks <laughs> that is Belgium beer month for 2018 alright Flanders investment and trade consulate general of Belgium yes <laughs> is that a really a title uh, I'm assuming um, I want to be a member of that consulate yeah. uh, would like to welcome everyone to the second annual I'm glad that it's the second annual um Belgium Beer Week, taking place from July 14th to the 22nd. You are invited to experience authentic Belgian beers, even if you're not in uh, Belgium this this coming July. 
This year for the Belgian Beer Week, there are more authentic Belgian beers than ever, including five brand new breweries that have never stepped foot on U.S. soil. To kick off the celebration, enjoy the 8th Annual National American Belgian Beer Festival, also known as hashtag NABBF, in Westland, Michigan. Uh, the largest exclusively Belgian-made beer festival in the U.S. I bet you there's some Cantillon there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but if you uh, you want to just try to um, get the badge and you can't make it to Michigan, you can check into one of the beers between June 28th and July 28th. So now until the end of July, basically, to get your Belgian Beer Month badge. And you can get that from... Pretty much any brewery that yeah. is spelled brewery <laughs> with an IJ at the end or brasserie. Um, or Vol. There's a big list, and Saint that Bernardus will be provided get, in the notes. St. <laughs> Bernardus gets you there, and they're getting ready to start canning St. Bernardus. So, Ooh. yeah, it's huh. you can get this easy. But if you go and get a Trappist beer, it's going to get you this badge. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's a cool-looking uh, badge, too. By the way... I I didn't know what the Belgian bag uh, flag looked like, and so I was like, they just put Germany's flag on there? Oh no, it's a it's a France Russia situation. One's horizontal, yeah, yeah. One is vertical. I saw. So is Belgium still in the World Cup? Oh, I haven't no. gotten to catch any of the World Cup. Yeah, and that's I'm very with sad. My about schedule, this. my schedule does not mesh with the World Cup schedule uh, this year. So I'm pretty sure they are, and the reason I say that is I saw Germ- a, a meme earlier that had Germany's flag, and they were like, how to repurpose your Germany flag for the World Cup? And they cut it <laughs> up into three and then place it into the Belgium configuration. <laughs> wow. There you uh, go. They are still in it. They're playing Japan on July 2nd. Well, right. Ooh, there we go. That could be a rough game. Well, Casey said Germany, and immediately in my head I was like, England 5, Germany 1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Now that song's a mad. Yeah, Belgium did beat England in that group. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Right. One, one to nothing, and Panama three to nothing. And they beat and Tunisia. And then Tunisia, yeah. Yeah. Panama. So Belgium's Look, doing pretty I have, well. I have, a, I have a new rule for the World Cup. It only can happen in Eastern time zones. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, I think I felt my new World Cup group to chant for. Belgium. I think Belgium. Belgium's yeah. my my group now. Hey. So let's, let's there we go. Out. Belgium all the way, and let, let's cross our fingers and hope Cincinnati's going to get one of the group, uh, one of the groups for twenty twenty six. At Paul Brown yeah. Stadium, they are. Uh, it is World Cup certified, so it Ooh, could, could happen. That could be. <laughs> yeah, squeals with excitement. <laughs> like if they announced that in a couple years, we're buying tickets, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Now. Yeah, yeah. And that would like, happen. Like so far in advance. Like yeah. when the announcement occurs, we're like, well, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't even care what Let's the games just, would be. Just get me get, get me season tickets. tickets. <laughs> All right. If you'd like to add us on uh, Untapped, I am Walker X four two. I am Wanyam. And I am Casey Price. And I'm on there as Spice and Hoppy. You can follow me, but again, not checking in for a minute. Not a lot, not a lot coming out of that one. Yeah. And let me let me go ahead and put this out there because um, uh, I do think it's weird. Brasserie Brewery Cantillon is not one of the badges you can. I was looking at that Cantillon will not get it to you. No, weird. which I think is is such a, a horrible thing. It's probably okay. Just X so going to give it to you. So. X will give it to you, but I think it's Cantillon so hard to come across. 
Mm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we've scooted here as quick as we can because this is a big topic to cover. So let's go ahead and dive in. Venom Vetra. Seeky Bastards. Venom Vetra. Venom Vetra. I don't know. I'm drinking a bomber by myself. I'll get there. <laughs> it's like, it'll get you there. So, yeah, we are talking about mashing today and mashing in the world of brewing or distilling. is a process in which water is mixed with malted and unmalted grains to help release starches inside the grains, grains and use enzymes present in the malt to convert the starch into sugar. Mmm, sugar. Sugar. <laughs> honey, honey. Uh, now you can keep that out. It's too sweet. Uh, the sugar is converted. Uh, the sugar converter will be the main nutrient source for yeast, and will eventually turn into alcohol through fermentation. That's why I like sugar. That's right. Mm, yeah. Uh, before we get too far into today's episode, we need to define uh, the terms we're going to be throwing around. Uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, mashing is built around chemistry, and to understand even the basics of mashing science, you need to understand some general concepts. First is pH. pH uh, scale is a dis- uh, scale of acidity or alkalinity, which ranges between 0 and 14. And I actually just found out today it ranges even beyond 0 to 14. Because um, negative 5 to, to 73. It, it can go... the the. <laughs> Because it's a ratio, or a ratio of uh, because it's a ratio. That's just the most common. What most chemists are going to be using is zero to fourteen. That's what most things are. But there are some things out there that are very, very uh, acidic that would go down to like negative thirty-one. Oh, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently, those aren't as dangerous to work with as some of the other things that are better or higher in the acidity than they are. But. Uh, but yeah, mm. I thought that was interesting because I just found that out today. Most, at th- prof- I mean, at that point, I thought they'd come out the other side and be a base. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just wraps around. Um, most pH meters will actually go negative two to sixteen, mm. um, just because there's there's some stuff on each end. Hmm. Well, lower numbers are more acidic than higher numbers, uh, which are more basic or alkaline. Sounds like a less offensive term where basic apparently is not a good thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You are basic. Uh, well, the scale is centered at seven, and that is pH neutral, which is neither acidic or basic. Why couldn't we have started at zero and just gone to a negative and a positive scale? That's my mm-hmm. question. I guess it goes back to, and I'm no, I'm no expert. Uh, I'm not even staying at a Holiday Inn, so. <laughs> um, Holiday Inn Express. Express. Other Holiday Inns don't don't convey any extra knowledge. You only <laughs> express. It's the express that gets you. But um, I think it just has to do with the ratio aspect of it, and so it it seven just happens to be where the ratio happens uh, to fall for a, a neutral substance. Just saying, we could make that math work at zero. I'm betting. <laughs> uh, just put a minus seven at the end of whatever you're doing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the scale is logarithmic, which uh, just means that as you get further away from 7 in either direction, the difference is exponentially larger. Uh, if a solution changes from 8 to 10 on the scale, it is not two steps more basic. It's actually 100 steps more basic. The ranges we're talking about today, uh, as a point of reference, uh, pure water has a pH of 7. Beer usually has a pH of 4.5. This explains heartburn for me. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, pH ha- uh, and orange juice has a pH of around three. I didn't realize I needed to be taking in acids as I was drinking beer. <laughs> yep. Wouldn't Hold hurt, on. probably. Certain beers, I'm sure, are worse than others, too. Oh, yeah, and if you get acidic beers like uh, sours, they're going to be closer to that 3 pH. Um, lemon juice, by itself, I think, is in the 2 range. And then stomach acid is down that range as well. <laughs> so, uh, sugars are another term we're going to be talking about. Now, sugar comes in many types, uh, both sugar and honey-honey. Uh, the <laughs> most simple monosaccharides. Uh, are or single sugars these sugar molecules are the simplest and come in multiple types main being fructose uh, which is usually seen in fruits you can tell because it also has an fr in it Uh, (laughs) sounds a lot like and has one of the sweetest tastes in sugars next on the list is galactose it eats planets (laughs) (laughs) because it's got a beer all over the place (laughs) I was not ready. I should have been ready. Oh. I'm sorry. It's uh, in my galactose. nose. It burns. <laughs> oh. Welcome to my life. Um, galactose, which is a basic sugar. Uh, galactose would probably be a closer pronunciation. No, it's galactose. Oh, is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's better. Um, <sighs> galactose eater of sugars. Uh, <laughs> Now fermentation is a complete new like <laughs> image in my brain. I should make a comment. It involves a lot more purple shorts. <laughs> what, oh. So okay, to carry this a little further, so who's going to be the silver surfer to uh, this Galactose? Um, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll continue on. We'll see if we can find the we'll analogy. Find, we'll see if we can find it in this. Uh, this is less commonly found by itself and is quite a bit less sweet than other types of sugars. This type of sugar is found uh, combined with others in avocados. To note, that is apparently the size of our child right now. Mm. <laughs> that they are trying to, it's avocado-sized. Yeah. Uh, All right. <laughs> I'm just going to make it about... Uh, I make a joke and I was like, you know what? Never mind. The last thing <laughs> we're talking about is the king of them all, glucose, mm. made from glue. Uh, no. Uh, glucose is referred to as uh, one of the simple sugars since many chemical processes are used to break other carbohydrates and sugars into this simple compound so it can be readily, readily used in the body by the cellular process. Uh, when you combine two monosaccharides into or single sugars you together, you get a Die saccharide because die means two. I don't want to uh, feel like we're in middle school right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am in chemistry I, I class. I chalkboard so I can just go die saccharide. Um, this is no, this is completely chemistry class, guys. Just buckle up if you weren't ready. Buckle up, buckaroo. Yeah, the first uh, Bob's Bob's first half is pure biochem. <laughs> <laughs> Well, disaccharides are where more common sugars for culinary uh, and beer application are found. Uh, the most common in the kitchen is sucrose, which is made up from glucose and fructose. When you glue fruits together, <laughs> you're going to get sucrose. Uh, it is more sweet than glucose and less sweet than glucose. Sorry, less sweet than fructose. Fructose. My typo. That's fine. Um, I read exactly what's written down. And whenever you uh, you see high fructose corn syrup, it's the single sugars, whereas regular sugar is fructose and glucose combined uh, into sucrose. 
Well, honey alone is made up of glucose and fructose, and it's about the same sweetness as sucrose, but the compounds are not linked together, so it is not sucrose. Sucrose, however, is found in the form of white table sugar. Why the, why the sugar got to be white, Casey? Because if it is brown sugar, then it's it got molasses so on it. <laughs> I was going to say that it tastes so good. It does. I don't know why, but... Mm. Anyway, if you are using a cooking process to break sucrose molecules into individual into two individual molecules, you may have you may have invented uh, invert sugar. I like the idea that you invented sugar, though. <laughs> well, you've you've created it, that's for sure. Or you've broken yeah. it. You know, you can break it from a sucrose molecule into a fructose and a glucose molecule, and that's uh, invert sugars are considered to be more um, sweet. And sometimes you'll use invert sugars in a brewing process because it breaks them down into very simple sugars for okay. the yeast to use. Well, the next disaccharide we're going to talk about is lactose. And that's a combination of glucose and galactose. Uh, so when Galactose gets full of glue, he makes cows. I was ready for uh, it that time while I was taking a drink. <laughs> uh, this sugar is made up of about 8% of the weight of milk. Uh, in many mammals, the compound lactase is uh, made in the body to break the lactose sugar into the two base sugars so the body can use them. The process, I imagine that that process breaks down over time. Uh as I'm finding out. process is especially important for uh, infants, uh, but as the humans age with reduced composition, the amount of lactase produced in the body may also reduce, leading to lactose intolerance or the ability, inability for the body to produce, uh, to process lactose sugars. Hey, look, I foreshadowed. <laughs> uh, this sugar is key to making milk or sweet stouts and lactose milkshake uh, New England IPAs. It leads lends some residual sweetness. Yeast may have a difficult time consuming lactose, as it is also intolerant. <laughs> we, need to, we need to teach yeast to be more inclusionary, is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeast has to learn main... to be tolerant. <laughs> the last of the main types of disaccharides is maltose, usually found in falcons. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Um, maltose falcons is the name <laughs> of the California Homebrewers Club that, for a period of a few years, was Club of the Year, multiple <laughs> years running. That um, is and they, <laughs> they They have more people from their club winning the competition than any other club in the U.S. See, so they, they that, know what they're about. <laughs> is that the club that the guy who just tonight won, uh, Homebrewer of the Year, who looks like Brian Brushwood on steroids? Oh, his, his, he looked like he was from the Northeast. Um, he looked like he was even dressed like Schwood, and he uh, the guy was like jacked and veins popping out, and it's just like oh, yet oh. to find this picture. I was just cool. like Brian, you gotta lay off the gym for a while. I know you hit it hard, but geez, man. <sighs> okay, well, anyway, maltose. Actually, this sugar is disco- uh, discovered in the sugars uh, water makes to water made to brew beer for malted grains. Uh, maltose is a combination of two glucose molecules, making it very desirable for yeast to break apart and uh, and use for their biological functions, you know, when yeast poops. <laughs> uh, maltose was discovered by Augustin Pierre Dubrefront. I would like to think that his last name is Dubrefont. Dubrefont. <laughs> it just sounds, sounds interesting. Dubrefont. 
Uh, although this discovery was not wildly, uh, widely accepted until it was confirmed in 1872 by Irish chemist and brewer Cornelius O'Sullivan. What a that great is name. one of the most Irish names <laughs> I have ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I... Uh, like, I'm surprised I wasn't named that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, there are kinds of sugars called... Uh, pardon, sorry. <laughs> there are. There are kinds of sugars. No, there are uh, kinds of sugars called uh, oligosaccharides. Right? Is that close? Oligo. Oligo. Okay. I liked my version better. Oligosaccharides and polysaccharides, which are long chains of monosaccharides, but in the brewing process, they tend to be more intermediaries and not uh, the beginning or final product. If you were to chain many glucose sugars together, you would eventually get a very long chain called a starch, and then you jump double dutch. (laughs) Uh, this compound comes mostly from plants although not usually considered a sugar it is uh, it's a polysaccharide when brewing we use this use the process of first malting uh, first malting grains and then mashing them to serve as eventual uh, the eventual purpose of converting long chains of starches into sugars the yeast can absorb Today we're going to talk a little bit more in depth uh, than you would normally see on this process, but in the end you should be able to understand the techniques, uh, understand the roles of mashing process, uh, as well as some of the chemical process and some techniques that may still be used uh, or may have been discarded years ago. Let's have a quick refresher over the malt used in mashing. Malts are made from sprouting seeds of grains and walking them up to, uh, waking them up to start the germinate, germination process. This releases enzymes in the seeds that help convert long-chain starches into shorter-chain sugars. Uh, gotta, gotta get that chain gang closer together, guys. They gotta <laughs> bunch up. We gotta break this big rock. Uh, as the malting process happens, enzymes have long chains, uh, which allows, uh, long chains into starches and smaller chains, which allows them to sprouting plants, uh, which have, are, have a readily available, simple source of energy. The monster, however, has tricked the plant into thinking it is in warm, wet soil when in actuality the plant uh, will be sprouted uh, and then stopped from processing any further. This leaves the malt, uh, the malt dry with a small portion of sugar and a large portion of active enzymes as well as leftover starches. All right, everyone, everyone feeling limbered up? Your brain's, brain's not <laughs> overloaded yet? I mean, I could use a bit more Galactus, and we still never found our Silver Surfer. But. We never did. We're going to keep digging, though. <laughs> I, it's, it's the Give enzymes. It it's the enzymes. I, I think that's what it is. Mm. So enzymes are a chemical compound uh, that speed up reactions in chemistry. Enzymes are extremely important to life as, uh, as the time it would normally take for chemical reactions to happen would be much longer than what would be possible to sustain life. Just about uh, every... Just- well, go ahead and finish, and I'll, I'll comment here. Okay, just about every process that happens within a cell is aided with an enzyme. Uh, most enzymes are proteins and are responsible for over 5,000 unique biochemical reaction types. In short, since this is like trying to explain all of life in a paragraph, <laughs> enzymes come in many types, but their main goal is to speed up processes. Uh, like the one we're talking about today, converting starch to sugar. Yeah, it, I think if you if you had to really bring life into one thing, enzymes are really what it is. Um, it's whenever you're looking for life, you're looking for enzymes because without those, the 
what needs to happen, the way things need to degrade, uh, molecules need to degrade, the speed that needs to happen just can't happen normally unless you've got some sort of enzyme basically passing things along. So without enzymes, there's no such thing as life at all. Wow. Uh, I, at I least like- in, in our our current knowledge of, of terrestrial life. I'm just imagining there's a monster somewhere going, it's like, Live, live, live! <laughs> just a just a Doctor Frankenstein of uh, brewing out there. Please, please, Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> All right. When an enzyme is heated to a certain point, it loses its shape and can't react the way it's supposed to in order to complete its function. Uh, this de- denaturing is important, and temperature is dependent for each type of enzyme. Some enzymes denature at lower temperatures. An enzyme we experience often is the uh, saliva of mosquito. It will inject its saliva that contains an enzyme into the skin. Then the enzyme will keep blood from clotting so the creature can drink away. The issue is... You find real quick what a, what a fly sweater feels like, though. <laughs> yeah. The issue is that the enzyme creates a type of inflammation that promotes itching. To prevent this, uh, heat up a spoon with hot water, then apply the hot spoon to the bite. Hmm. This will be enough to heat uh, enough heat to denature the enzyme and actually stop itching. You know, I've never actually tried that. Yeah. Mm. Can I, can I, I mean, I've also heard that with a spoon you can heat up heroin and inject it straight into your veins and, and then, then get high. Yeah, and then you apply that heated spoon to your... Exactly. Yeah. Then you don't care about the mosquito. <laughs> Don't do heroin. The denaturing (laughs) temperature of this particular enzyme is relatively low. Other enzymes are higher, however. Another factor to consider is that some enzymes don't activate fully until they reach a certain temperature. This means uh, that there is a kind of Goldilocks zone for enzymes where they speed up the processes they are controlling and as fast as needed while simultaneously not being too hot to destroy the enzyme itself. Uh, when when talking about mashing, let's first talk about a general overview in short. In mashing, uh, a brewer will add ground-up malt to water, let it sit at specific temperatures for a period of time, around an hour or two, while the starches are converted into sugar. Then drain the liquid off, and most of the time, uh, rinse the grain with fresh water. All the collected liquid is sugary sweet and called wort. See, when you say rinse the grain with fresh water, I'm just picturing panning for enzymes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get me some sugar soon. You're seeing hey, an old, an old uh, stereotypical 49er out there yeah. panning, <laughs> panning for sugars. Darn flabber, darn burn it. The well, sheriff is near. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how in a lot of early episodes, uh, pretty much the extent that we talked about it. So that's the simple version. Uh, we're going to get in depth now. <laughs> It's time to time to put on our big boy pants and break out uh, break out those college degrees because we're oh, all I have are short pants. <laughs> we know better than that. That's yeah, true. I don't you, you don't short own pants. short pants. Let's. <laughs> you are you are the opposite to Ian, who does not own pants. He only he owns is, shorts. He is the Yang to my Yang. <laughs> yes. So the grains add uh, added to a mash come in two types. Uh, Diastatic and non-diastatic. Diastatic means that the malt has active enzymes, while non-diastatic means the enzymes either have not been activated through malting 
and therefore are not present, or they were present, but they have been heated to a point where they have now been deactivated or denatured. Uh, Non-enzymatic malts are those like uh, caramel, caramel crystal or roasted malts that are heated to a point where their color and flavor changes well above the temperature needed to denature the malts. Caramel crystal meth. I mean, that's what it might as well be to me. So these non-diastatic malts uh, would have a diastatic power of zero, meaning they are unable to convert any starch into sugar. A diastatic power of around 30 means that the malt has enough enzymes active in it to convert the starch into that malt, but no more. What if it's over 9,000? <laughs> we'll get there. Um, yeah, so a 30 means uh, if a malt has a diastatic power of 30, that means it's just barely got enough to convert all the starches that it has, but it can't share those enzymes with anybody else. Gotcha. All right, malts with much higher diastatic powers are not only able to convert their own starches, but also the starches of other grains. Unmalted grains like rice, corn, and some wheat will have no diastatic power, so brewers will rely on high uh, DP grains. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> to help convert the starches into sugar. The DP can be considered... <laughs> A scale of concentration of enzymes. <laughs> Can we consider a scale of concentration of enzymes or any particular malt? Malts like Pilsner 6 row will have uh, quite a lot of diastatic power. Around uh, 140 plus, which gives uh, a pound of that malt the ability to convert up to three additional pounds of grains into diastatic enzymes. And a diastatic power of zero. This is one of the key reasons uh, American-made beers that use a lot of rice and corn use six-row malt. Hmm. Yeah, yep. that is very much the case. The big brewers all use in the six-row. Yeah. I apologize for being a child. You're like that one kid that I've got to, you know, <laughs> chastise in class. Just, I mean, yes. Just ruins everything for the whole class. <laughs> Everyone go else. there and replace all the DPs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at it, and just for those listeners to know, Brittany is even turning her head and trying to stifle laughs. <laughs> As we said before, enzymes are proteins. Uh, hold on to that. <laughs> hold on to that thought for a moment, and also consider uh, the liquor industry, specifically bourbon. All bourbon recipes are going to contain over 50% corn, which will have no diastatic power. Some recipes will contain much more. Uh, take, for instance, Mash Bill E from the Four Roses Distillery. Is E one of the ones that we did in our tasting? Uh, yeah, it's one of the more common out of the two. Okay, so uh, the quick shameless plug uh, for... Uh, <laughs> well, I guess that's only going to be our uh, our people who have uh, uh, donated. Yeah, Patreon. You, mm, yeah, the mm -hmm. patrons can get uh, that episode of a Four Roses tasting, Four Roses, and we did the Bill, the Bill E, so you can hear exactly what we thought about that, mm -hmm. uh, which contains 75% corn, 15% malted rye, and 10% malted uh, distiller's barley. The high percentage of corn, which also has no ability to convert itself, uh, means the distillery needs much more enzymatic concentration to ensure all the starch is converted to sugar for the yeast. 
the rye will have a little diastatic power of around 105, but the distiller's malt is an important addition. The malt has a very high proportion of its weight as protein, and enzymes are proteins. Don't confuse that statement and think that all proteins are enzymes, but the higher uh, the protein... Higher the proportion of the proteins. A lot of peas in here, guys. Sorry. <laughs> uh, don't confuse that statement. Come on, let, let's keep it keep it on the real. All right. Uh, so uh, the proteins in the malt can singular higher uh, cause the. Let me restart that sentence again. <laughs> don't confuse the statement like I just did and think that all proteins are enzymes. But the higher the proportion of the proteins in the malt uh, can signal higher diastatic power. In this case, the malt has a diastatic power of 250, meaning for every pound of malt used in the mash, you can theoretically use nearly eight pounds of unmalted grains, uh, more than double. Yeah, more than double of what the the brewer's malt usually holds. Hmm. So this gives their mash the ability to convert all the starch to sugar. This is also a note to show that mashing isn't just for beer, but for any alcohol made from grains. Oh, Actually, su- just not, not just for beer anymore. <laughs> Indeed. Sweet grain alcohol. Since we mm. now since we now know White the, lightning. Yeah, since we now know the basic chemistry, we still need to do that episode. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, but since we now know the basic chemistry of what happens with enzymes, let's talk about the types of mashing. Today, nearly all the brewers uh, producing craft beer are using a single infusion mash. This is where you add water at around 160 degrees Fahrenheit to the milled grain in a ratio of uh, about two quarts per pound and let it sit at a single temperature uh, somewhere near 150 degrees Fahrenheit for about an hour. And that is usually from uh, at least my brief experience uh, brewing with Casey. So when all the fun happens. Yeah, it's when you get too drunk to really keep the rest of the rest of the recipe straight. Yeah, so you just start throwing fistfuls it's of vanilla into things and going, ah, this looks good. It's when you follow your heart. So this is the most simple mash schedule, uh, but will actually tend to produce well-made beers. That's because the malt used today is much higher quality than it was even 30 years ago. Most of the yeah. work of converting yeah suck at the past <laughs> most of the work converting the starch to sugar has been done uh, by the maltster uh so the mash is really just finishing the last stage of the malting process mm-hmm. well <laughs> this wouldn't be the show that it is however without delving into some of the historical ways brewers mashed and how the wort is it wort or wort wort wort, wort. uh would be created got a big wort on my finger yes uh, in ye olden days, when malts weren't nearly as good, brewers needed to allow for multiple steps or temperatures in their mashing process. Keep in mind that different enzymes work best at different temperatures and pH levels. Also note that once an enzyme reaches its denaturing temperature, it will no longer do its job. So the difficulty of raising a mash in temperature slowly was a necessity for brewers. They couldn't just dump in boiling water and let the beer cool um, through though the active stages since that would have denatured all the enzymes and when the beer reached the right temperature there would be no enzymes left to do their work. So brewers would use a few different methods to increase the temperature over time. The first is called 
Infusions. Uh, here the mash would be mixed very thick with a low temperature brewing water to reach the right temperature, then it would be allowed to rest and additional boiling water would be added to raise the temperature to the next step and then so on. Uh, the problem is that you, that as you get through the brewing process, the amount of water needed to raise the temperature of the mash uh, gets too much. Uh, as an example, to raise a 130 degree Fahrenheit mash to 165 degrees, the amount of boiling water would be equal to the first addition or, or the first addition of water. Pretty soon, the mixture is too weak and watered down to make a normal strength beer. That's yeah, quitter. If you, that's quitter talk. <laughs> You'll find a way. Yeah, if you if you were to add in uh, 140 degree water to 70 degree grains, that would bring it down to 130, which is the temperature you want. And if that was a pound of grain and uh, two quarts of water, you would then have to add another two quarts of water to that to bring it up from 130 to 165. Mm. And that's boiling water. So you do this a couple times and it starts to get really weak. Mm. That makes sense. Chris, this is why I stuck to history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, the solution to this problem is called a uh, decoction match. You got it. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, in a decoction mash... But oh, that saying that together sounds like you're already drunk. You so know? Uh, go ahead and <laughs> you're the decoction mash. You can you can revisit um, that episode. Oh, what was that? Which episode was that when you were on uh, Cincy Brewcast when decoction mash came up? Oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> was it a Braxton episode? Yes, it was a Braxton episode. It was. It wasn't mash. talking about Braxton doing it. It was talking about Alexander Brewing Company. Oh. Ah. See, I don't remember. I'm just sorry. Now I can think of it. They did the mash. <laughs> the decoction mash. <laughs> the decoction mash. Nice. Oh, geez. Okay. It brewed a springtime bag. <laughs> Perfect. That's not bad, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's too good. Uh, okay, so in this process, uh, the brewer will take about a third of everything in the mash and boil it. Uh, and add it back to the original mash. This heats everything, including the grains and enzymes. The brewer loses some enzymes in this uh, this way and extracts some tannins from the grain, but it also has a tendency to help develop some rich uh, oh, melanoidin flavors from the process. You got melanoidin. it. What, what is melanoidin real quick? <laughs> melanoidin is that, I, is that are... what I don't have and therefore can't tan? <laughs> Okay. Melanoidins um, are kind of like it, it's not a caramelization because um, they're the caramelizations when um, sugars get heated up and caramelized, mm. but it is similar to to that in that it's what happens when proteins go through the same process. Oh, okay. Um, it, it's so the Maillard reaction or Maillard reaction is what happens with sugars, and the melanoidins um, is whenever this. Uh, uh, this basically is the the compound at the very end that um, actually I take the back. Melanoidins are produced by caramelization. So think of caramels. Um, think of that rich flavor that you get when you char, char a steak mm. on the outside. Mm -hmm. It's those types of rich, meaty type flavors that you get from really dark processed sugars. That's um, fine. Yeah, I want, I want steak. Yeah, and so it can be made from. Um, 
sugars, it can be made from proteins, or it can be made from amino acids. When you put all those together, you're going to get this really rich flavor. That just you take fine. the good and you take the bad and you take them both and there you have the facts of oh. And let me let me pull up melanoid malts here and see exactly because it may it may actually say the flavors that you're going to get. But think of like Bach beers. Mm. A lot of Bach beers will have that sort of flavor, and it's a malty sweetness, sort of like a, a biscuity flavor almost. But okay. um, it, it's a really intense flavor. It sounds fine. I feel like I've picked a good beer to talk about then. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, so today there are a couple of different systems to raise the temperatures first. Uh, to raise the temperatures, sorry. First is a direct fired mash, meaning the mash is heated with a direct flame under the system. It's, uh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I would say I have, I have a quick dumb question. It's mostly a dumb joke. Casey, do we have a southern fried mash I don't think so. Okay, I'm, I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, is there a way to deep fry it? Because if there is, we'll find a way in the South. <laughs> well, Fact. Um, do I do it? know some people are taking the spent grains and are making, like, bread products. So why couldn't okay. you make, like, pancakes out of spent grains? <gasps> and, and, and those, like, deep no, fried pancakes. That's uh, That's basically Johnny oh. Cakes. Yeah, like a Johnny Cake out of spent grain. Yeah. All right. We made it. This, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, <laughs> Use every part of the buffalo. <laughs> Basically. Um, so it's a difficult system to get right since it has a real tendency to scorch the mash. It's definitely a problem. Uh, second is the recirculating. Trying to like, I'm like, my eyes are like, no, you can't actually see the screen very well. So I'm just like, uh. so um, is the recirculating infusion mash system. Where, also called RIMS, R-I-M-S, RIMS, which is easier. Okay. Uh, uh, where wort is pumped off the bottom of the vessel and then passed over a heating element before it's sent back to the top of the mashing vessel. Lastly is the heat exchanger recirculating mash system, or HERMS, uh, which is the gentlest of all. Instead of passing the wort directly over a heating element, it's passed through a coil submerged in hot water, usually in the hot liquor tank, uh, then passed back to the top of the mashing vessel. Um, the gentle addition of heat prevents the wort from scorching like in the other methods of direct heat. So that's uh, a, bu- a It's plus interesting side. to hear of a coil being used, a hot coil, instead yeah. of for cooling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, you can use... Um, Stainless steel is used a lot of times just because it's easiest to clean, mm-hmm. but co- some people will use copper and, and do it that way. But uh, it's sort of like a, the same action you would get in a double boiler, except it's all enclosed. Mm-hmm. So you've got water that's 190 degrees, and then you've got your wort you're wanting to keep 150 and start raising it up. You just pass it through the 190 degree water, and it raises it gently. Um, all right. So raise up gently. <laughs> so I was just trying to how to get figure out how to get the tenacious D song in there. You <laughs> oh no no! Don't <laughs> set the raise, raise gently. her gently. Oh jeez. Okay. You're uh, gonna <laughs> brew her softly. <laughs> mm. <sighs> Tried real hard to dance around say, that. Are you? <laughs> you can only go so far with that. Um, <laughs> 
so this process is used to raise the mash temperature through multiple steps. The steps are each distinctly important for beers made with uh, less modified malts. So let's go through each type of step. For simplicity, all temperatures will be listed in Fahrenheit. Because we are America, and it's dumb. Yeah. And which is which is also sad because most of the temperatures that were created for brewing are in Celsius. They're like even numbers. And you convert them over, and it's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. No, like we're we're, we're clearly on the not as great system. Uh, <laughs> like, yep. But I was still going through, and I was like, I have no idea what 30 degrees Celsius is. No. Yeah, in fairness, though, Brittany, when I say it's 100 degrees out there, I think that is hot. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're correct. <laughs> you go, oh, it's it's 15 degrees. I don't know. Is it cold? Is it hot? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's because we haven't grown up with it. But yeah, I understand. Uh, okay. So the first step is no longer used, and it's called the phytase reset Rest, sorry. Phytase rest. Why can't I read? Uh, At 86 to 126 degrees. Uh, This step was used to help bring the pH of the mash to an acceptable range. This was mostly used before the turn of the 20th century when mash chemistry was not well understood and specifically in areas like Pilsen where the water was too pure and the malts (laughs) were very light. Dark malts bring down the pH of a mash, but with lighter malts or highly alkaline water uh or highly alkaline water i guess uh this rest was used to bring down the acidity it took hours to perform and in the process removed compounds in the wort that would prevent the ph drop today however we just add the right minerals malts or acids directly to the mash um, to achieve the proper ph of around 5.2 Coincidentally, all of the mash steps from this point further work best in a range of around 5 to 5.5, with 5.2 the target being uh, for most brewers. So we were talking, I think it was actually in our news show about the steps that uh, some some breweries are taking as they're setting up a new new location. Mm. And we were like, oh yeah, they have to do like a, a special... Oh, let's make sure the, the the water we're using, I guess, and all that oh, comes yeah. out right. right. And that's when I stopped and I went, "Oh yeah, I guess the water is going to be different from region to region." Yeah, very. So they're going to have to figure out what they have to add or take out of. Yeah, yeah. There's there's really like six chemicals or six ions, I guess would be the proper term, um, in water that you look at, and um, that's another show. But it, those <laughs> yeah. six are going to be some of the most important. And it can, what you add to water, the balance between um, sulfate and uh, chloride can make your beer taste hoppier or maltier just by adding more of that. Hmm. That's um, really interesting. So, yeah, just think of it like adding salt to your we, beer. We do still have to do the water episode, like water for brewing episode. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, in the news episode specifically. What we're talking about was Deschutes opening their Virginia location, and they were. Current- I was trying to. I was trying to save spoilers. Well, <laughs> slight spoiler. To make them want to try to find out what it was. You, yeah. you can dig in to know more about that story. But they were uh, one bit that we didn't cover in that that we can talk. Just we're talking about right now is that they were doing water testing, like they're getting so they can make their beer identical. Mm. So they can get the batches yeah, yeah. the same. They're doing batch testing. Yeah. Um, the next temperature step would be around 95 to 113 degrees. 
This is the beta gluconase rest. I feel like that's when the vapors start coming in. <laughs> yeah. uh, each of these rests is named after the enzymatic activity that happens at that stage. This step is only used sparingly today and only with the mashes that contain a high percentage, over 20%, uh, of unmalted barley, rye, oats, or wheat. These grains tend to be gummy and rest, resting 20 minutes at this stage allows those gummy compounds to be broken down. Otherwise, when draining the mash, it may get stuck. <laughs> All I can think of is gummy bears. Now I'm hungry. Bouncing here <laughs> and there. So this is probably a good time to talk about how brewers actually separate the mash liquid from the mash grains. Um, mash tons are a generic term which explain, explains where the mash is let rest during the time it's actually converting. There is an additional vessel some breweries will use called a lauder ton. The lauder ton is actually a vessel where the mash will be added to uh, the vessel and then a sieve or a strainer at the bottom will strain out the grains and let that liquid wort pass through. So many brewers will use separate vessels for mashing and laudering because it actually allows the brewer to start the next mash while the first one's draining. Um, it just speeds up the, the process. It's the difference between a three-vessel system and a four-vessel system in a brewery when they start talking about that. Um, but a lot of breweries will still use this combined vessel. Most home brewers, when they're doing brewing like this, will use a combined vessel that is a mash lauder ton. Um, it's just saving space whenever they just use one, and um, it's, it's very much more simple to kind of do it that way. So now, every time I've ever heard laudering, I've heard it as laudering, not <laughs> launder, but lauder, like, you know, yeah. where you store food and whatnot. Uh, lauder. And so I have yeah. always been wondering what that was, and I think I've just, for the first time, seen the word spelled out and went, oh, everything makes more sense. The, the it's another bulb, word. The light bulb was coming on. I was like, yeah. Yep. So um, in distilling, sometimes they'll still separate the liquid from the, the grains, but sometimes they won't. They'll actually sometimes cook everything together, and then at the end of all that process, throw the yeast in with the grains, and then pump that all the grains over into a uh, still, which will try to get out all the the, sh the the alcohol that's been created from the sugars and everything, but in beer you always separate the the grains from the actual um, liquid. So uh, that brings up another topic that we 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 can kind of touch on at another point when we go into eco friendly brewing. But you just basically removed half of the product that you put into this with all those grains. So now what do you do with them? And for most breweries, that's a waste product that they have to deal with, those those wasted grains. Um, they don't have a lot of sugar left in them, but they've still got a lot of protein. They've still got a lot of other goods that are left behind. So most will give those to farmers, and then the liquid just moves on to another stage. Um, so in the mash, though, uh, the next step in that mash is going to be a protein rest. 
So that's going to be at 113 to 131 Fahrenheit. This rest focuses on opening up and breaking down the proteins in the malt to free them up for yeast to have additional nutrients in the form of amino acids and free amino nitrogen or FAN. Um, proteases and peptidases are the two basic types of enzymes responsible for the rest. It isn't as necessary in today's brewing process um, to use these as long rests at this stage will actually break down the proteins too far, uh, causing the beer to have poor head retention because proteins actually help build head in beer. Um, up this temperature, uh, up to this temperature, actually, everything's been done to prep the mixture for brewing. Now it's the main event of turning starch into sugar. So everything up to now has just kind of been getting all the proteins ready, getting it the right consistency. Now you're actually trying to do the the thing that that these enzymes are really meant to do, and that's turn those starches into sugars. So in the range of about 140 and up, enzymes will split larger polysaccharides into smaller sugars. They were breaking them down. And they break them down into various different types of sugars. We talked about the multiple types up top. Um, they'll break down into to basically glucose. They'll break it down into maltose. That's going to be the biggest one that you see um, is going to be maltose. You'll also sometimes get some, um, some other sugars in there like fructose and, and some things like that, uh, galactose. Those things may actually show up a little bit in the brewing process. Um, but, galactose, destroyer <laughs> of malts. Uh, <laughs> The vast majority, or sorry, um, you're also going to get a lot of glucose in there. But the vast majority of the proteins, or the the sugars that you're going to get at this stage, are going to be maltose. That's because, think about it, maltose malt. sugar is malt. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's what most brewers' yeasts are actually trained and selected to ferment. Um, so the best way I've actually learned to and heard to explain this comes from the book How to Brew by John Palmer. We recommend this book highly a lot, and so this is one of those that I think we've even got on the website. Yes. Check it out. It's a really good ex explanation. But uh, he explains it a lot like doing yard work, and these enzymes are the tools to do that yard work. So I'm going to take it liberally from this version that's in the book, but also change it up a little bit more to make it more friendly than that version is because I think that that version um, is a little bit more in-depth and this one can kind of bring it a little bit more towards the level that we're talking. So think of the long-chain sugars or the polysaccharides, the starches, really as um, tree branches that have been cut off of the tree and now lay in a pile in the yard. And it's your job to get them cut up and put in the trash can, which is only so big. And these limbs are really too large to throw in as they are. So, or maybe even instead of a trash can, into a lawn bag. You know, you got to get them small. And so, the tools you might you be able to use would be a chainsaw, um, uh, one of those manual hedge clippers. So, one of the ones that looks like a large pair of scissors, um, and then a pair of pruning shears. So, that chainsaw is good at breaking up large things, um, big thick pieces. The but it's not really good at like trimming off tiny little twigs at the end. The hedge trimmer is great at trim in little twigs at the end, but it's not really great at um, at doing the the big thick pieces. And, You're not cutting down a tree with with hedge trimmers. No, and and pruning shears are great at doing everything except for the fact that you can only do one little piece at a time. So they're a lot slower. So that change saw is similar to the enzyme known as limit dextrinase. Um, the hedge trimmers are like beta amylase, and the clippers are alpha amylase. Um, alpha amylase and beta amylase are the two big ones that you're going to be seeing mostly in this process. Um, these limbs, 
like the long chain sugars, have branches and parts where the chains meet up that are thicker than other sections of the limb. So let's let's talk about this a little bit. Luckily, you're a home brewer, and that means you have plenty of friends who are willing to help as long as you provide them with beer. Your friend Limit, with the chainsaw, starts to chop up the long branches in the thick parts, breaking those limbs into smaller, more manageable chunks. So that Limit Dextranase is going to get those those big chunks and, and kind of break them off at the, at the branches. And that way you've got these smaller pieces that your friends Alpha and Beta Amylase um, can come in and start using the hedge clippers to chop off the very tips and the the little um, regular chippers uh, clippers to get down on those gnarled up limbs. Um, for that's alpha amylase on that side. So with all this going on, pretty soon after a, an hour or so, you've got all the limbs cut up into small pieces in the yard, and your friends are done. Um, they are kind of good with with getting that work done pretty quickly. So in it, this analogy, it shows that limit dextranase is best. Oh, sorry, limit dextranase is best suited for chopping up large branches. Beta amylase is suited for just lopping off the easy to get ends. So limit. De- uh, sorry, beta amylase is only going to be able to chop off the very tips. Uh, and alpha amylase is slower. Yeah, they, they literally they can only work from one end. A beta amylase can only work from the very end of it and work its way up. It can't start in the middle and work its way down. So, uh, but alpha amylase can start in the middle and chop into smaller pieces. Okay. Um, the 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 branches are are sort of you can only start at one end and not at the other if you're you're some of these enzymes. Um, so this is very similar to how a mash works. If we haven't, you know, confused the heck out of you. Um, each of these friends, however, has different tolerances for heat. As long as it stays around 150 degrees or so, all of them are happy doing their job. I mean, they got beer, so, you know, it's, it's 150 degrees ain't too hot for these guys, but as it gets a bit warmer, it's too hot for me, that's when the vapors are the stifling. <laughs> as it gets a bit warmer, beta will go inside and won't come back out. So that's like your, uh, your enzymes being denatured, they won't come back out and do any more work. Um, we lose the efficiency of clipping off the ends, so that job's just left to alpha. Limit is next to go, around 153 degrees. Um, that's really when he doesn't like to work anymore. And then alpha will stick around to about 167, um, but his work gets pretty slow around 158. So, so even though... Mine. <laughs> Even though Alpha works hard and long at this, he can only do so much with the tools that he has, and so he's not, you know, not super efficient, but he can still do um, do some of these things. Now, this analogy isn't perfect, but it's pretty close. In the right temperature range, all of them work together, and you get a pretty fermentable wort with lots of more simple sugars. If you have a lower temperature, you need to increase the amount of time that the enzymes are working since they don't have the assistance of their friends. But if you mash higher, then the wort will become less fermentable um, since the tools are at higher temperatures and you can only create um, lower, or, sorry, larger chunks and not those simple sugars. So higher temperatures actually create larger chunks, which makes the beer have a thicker mouthfeel. Um, okay. And so that, that higher temperature gives you a thick mouthfeel. Lower temperatures will actually give you a lighter mouthfeel because the big sugars are what give you uh, – they won't give – like the big long-chain starches and polysaccharides will give you mouthfeel. They won't give you sweetness. It's only when you get them down to a certain size will you get sweetness out of those. Alrighty. So major producers like Bud Miller Coors will add actually additional enzymes to make it uh, a lot quicker. Um, and they'll let it sit at even lower temperatures. So they'll add more friends in 
Um, they're working a little bit slower because it's cold out, but th- when you add a whole lot of people doing it, it'll still get to where it needs to be done. Um, and this makes a very fermentable wort that leaves no resid- residual um, complex sugars after fermentation, meaning that their, their beers are very dry and thin. Um, so that's how they get that, that pretty, kind of... Pretty close to water? Pretty close to water. Yeah, very close. Um, thinner than water, actually, because alcohol is thinner than water. And so by the time you get through it okay. all, um, it'll actually be thinner than water is. So what you're saying is a glass of water has more mouthfeel than a glass of Bud Light. You are yes. not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you are not wrong because we use um, we use specific gravity to kind of check and see what the um, what the actual uh, body is more or less, and one point zero 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 is going to be a um, uh, water one point zero one zero. So we call them one one point oh oh oh. We call it ten ten is where most craft beers are going to finish. But whenever you're looking at uh, a Bud Miller Coors or a light beer, um, you're going to be finishing below one. So it'll be 0.9 something, um, which is much lower than than light beer. (laughs) (laughs) Or, sorry, water. Yeah. Uh, So mashing really is the first step of the brewing process to kind of determine what the qualities of the taste and the mouthfeel of that beer will be. The malt bill will make up most of the flavor from that standpoint, but the mash style and temperature determine the mouthfeel, um, the sweetness, the fermentability of that future beer. When the yeast are added, they will either be stressed out or happy, depending on what you do here, and, and these eventual qualities um, will affect the alcohol can- content as well as even some of the, sorry, Bob, esters and phenols that you get toward the end. If you've got really stressed out yeast, they're, they're going to produce more off flavors than what you're really wanting. So giving them some good sugars to ferment here um, is really what you're trying to do. And you're, you're breaking all those down to basically maltose. is about as uh, Maltose and glucose is what you're trying to get to. And so that's very simple, easy to digest sugars for those yeasts. And so as you go through this process, malting, um, and then eventually mashing will set you up for a good fermentation. Mm, uh, I heard ferment. What's going on? Yep. <laughs> Although mashing doesn't get a lot of attention in the brewing world today, it is certainly a key factor that any brewer or distiller, as we learned today, uh, must master in order to produce excellent beer or whiskey. Mm. Any fine malt beverage. Exactly. Cult 45? Yes. Bags. All we need. All right, so this was a long one. I don't know about you all, but I was definitely drinking a bit, so let's go ahead and dive in. I was drinking a bit, but I was learning a bit. Oh, yeah. Yes. Drink with me, friend. Mine is boring. I'm sorry. Uh, does not make that sound either. Uh, I, so I... Could. I, well, maybe... Uh, I could, uh, so I, I, I've been trying to do something to, like, curb some of my dessert cravings, and it works most of the time, or at least while I'm at work. So, um, I got a Silk brand, um, dark chocolate almond milk, and it's flipping delicious. Uh, the re- don't get the regular chocolate version, though. Like, the dark chocolate is, like, rich, and it tastes like, I don't know, like a milkshake almost. It's really good. Would, would just, like, a palate 
of Little Debbie snack cakes also fill your dessert craving, Brittany? That would be what I'm trying to avoid, I think. Mm. <laughs> okay. Uh, give me all the zebra cakes. I'll mm. take them all. Some fudge rounds or something. I resist until Christmas time, in which case... Give me all the Christmas tree. Off. Yeah. All Christmas tree cakes straight into my mouth. Yeah, we'll see how... <laughs> I'll be, like, ready to pop at that point, so we'll see how much I'm, like... I need all the cake in the world. <laughs> we were uh, we were discussing this is off topic. We were discussing at work how there are you know someone has made a birthday cake that just had written in like you know got a sheet cake and just wrote you've aged on it. No way. <laughs> I went. You can do that any day. <gasps> I can have cake any day. Any day. Nice. So, all right. What have you been drinking? Uh, okay, so I've had some beer that's been in my uh, been in my refrigerator for probably a bit too long, uh, but it's been in a can, so I gave it a little bit of an extra pass. Uh, Casey dropped off some of this. I uh, it's from Brahmiri, Brahmamari, Brahmamari. Oh, okay. Uh, Brahmamari uh, Brewing Company. I'm guessing. Uh, but this is called Molly's Lips, and it is a uh, is a ghost, I believe. Gosa goes. I always get I always get those confused. So an O or a U? Uh, o. Gosa. Gosa. Okay, that was my instinct, but I've begun to second guess myself. Uh, it's a black Gosa. So uh, mm. if you're watching video, you can see. That don't look like no ghost that you've ever seen. No. <laughs> that looks like a porter. Uh, it is uh, also apparently made with orange blossoms. Oh, that sounds delightful. Around 4% ABV. Uh, I've not been able to find any IBUs on the can nor on uh, Beer Advocate about it. However, uh, it has a Beer Advocate score of 3.81 out of 5. And it says, her namesake song begins, she, uh, she'd take me anywhere. One of the ships of this dark uh, lyrical beauty will not take you. Uh, not only take you, she will intrigue and tease you so deliciously that you will fall deeply in love by the second sip. <laughs> Black malts, smoked English sea salt, and a hint of orange blossoms reveal an unexpected harmony in this unique uh, twist on traditional gosa. Floral and roasty, uh, roasty, the refreshing and smoky. Uh, there is no no other you'd rather kiss than Molly's lips. Uh, it's got kind of neat little can art here. but uh, So I've been writing down my thoughts on this as the episode has gone on, because I've been drinking it the whole time. I had a couple of these. Uh, first of all, when I took the first sip, when it was cold, it tasted like hot dogs. Really? Like, oh. like, like salty hot dogs that, like... Whenever, whenever I had it first, the first flavor that I got was grape, like artificial grape. Nope, never, never quite got to grape. Huh. This um, all makes me very sad because it sounds like a good description. Hot dog <laughs> Hold beer. On. Hold on, because uh, it's also like, like eventually, like it, it it opened up a bit, and I got some dark roast roast flavors out of there, and I would start getting like little hints of the orange flavor here and there. Uh, by the second can, which had been sitting out a little bit and warmed up a bit, 
uh, I'm getting much much more sweet flavors in there. I'm getting mm. getting more. Uh, I'm also getting a lot more of the dark roasted malt kind of flavor out of it, but it's getting a little bit sweeter, a little bit more balanced. So I don't know if I necessarily have this thing straight out of the refrigerator. You want this one to warm up just a little bit to to open up and get you some some of all the flavors that are in it. Hmm. Otherwise, I got hot dogs. That was the first thing <laughs> right out of the refrigerator, and I went. That's so unfortunate. Huh. It, it ended up being good, but not right away. Yeah. Huh. You wouldn't expect... I mean, I don't... You don't think normally that ghosts should hang out for a minute before you open them? Not yeah. normally, but this one, like, when I thought of the kind of salty that I associated it with, I associated it with, like, hot dogs. Hmm. Okay. All right. Huh. Well, uh, my beer of choice for this evening, uh, not, uh, not all that salty. But also, I guess... quick quick note, I'm now finally getting grape flavors, Casey. <laughs> oh, yeah, now that I've put that in your head. You kind of have, but I'm getting like like more wine grape than I am like... Hmm. I got like like Welch's. Yeah, no, I'm not getting Welch's, I'm getting like wine. Oh. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Chris. So, uh, my uh, beverage of choice will relate to a Gosa in the tart qualities. So, I decided to go with an April Rain from Off Color Brewing. So, this is a wild ale coming in at 6.2% ABV. IBUs only 12. So, a uh, beer advocate score of 3.98 out of 5. I think that score is just because a lot of people don't know how to handle a uh, an American wild ale. Uh, Brewer's description. They're not ready for its realness. Exactly. <laughs> Sudachi is a seldom-seen Asian citrus fruit uh, akin to yuzu, but with a deeper, more complex character, which mingles pleasantly with the mild tartness of floral notes from our wild house culture. Uh, Mid-palate is reminiscent of lemon tart, preserved limes, and... uh, Meringue? Yeah, meringue fading into softness. Uh, sorry about that clang. <laughs> Fading into softness with a white tea suitable for idle afternoons, reading poetry underneath April's soft warming rains. <laughs> yes, I agree completely. Um, a bomber <laughs> of it, reading though. Poetry? A bomber <laughs> of it is a bit much. <laughs> but I have so much beer stashed in the fridge, I had to suck it up and start uh, sucking down bombers of things. Mm. So uh, I wish I was there. This is provided to us from our good friend smoke when they were in town he oh, yeah. uh, smuggled some down from chicago and it is delightfully tart uh, an amazing wild ale it was a bit of a gusher so that was uh before we even started the pre-show stream and i was, uh, had to bring it up to casey's like so is it really an issue if a wild ale is a gusher because <laughs> hmm. i was like i feel like that's not really a big uh, negative against it just means they didn't do it right when they bottled it yeah, they didn't wait long enough, maybe. Possibly, That's but I loved it. it. It was uh, very floral, uh, effervescent, I would say, and uh, the tartness, just so crisp and great. I highly suggest it if you can find it, uh, but it is only coming in in 750 milliliters. So uh, bring some friends to share it with. Break out the monocle if you have the means. <laughs> Indeed. Speaking of having the means, Casey, what were you drinking? <laughs> Tell the us worst, your... oh. Oh, the worst know. 13 bucks I've ever spent on a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> um, Casey, a $13 cocktail should have been amazing. Should have how been. how could, could a single glass of a delicious cocktail that costs $13 not be? Yeah, 
That's my thought, too. Um, so this is an On the Rocks Premium Cocktails, also known as OTR. I think you can find them online at ontherocksocktails.com or something like that. But um, Wait, wait, wait. This is a whole bottle that is one cocktail? This is a bottled cocktail. Casey, two... I, need you, I need you to do me a favor. Mm-hmm. I need you to go over to the window. Yes. <laughs> I need you to open it. Yep. I need you to throw that bottle outside it. Well, I need the bottle. I've poured the bottle out now because I need to put my Henry McKenna back in it. Oh. <laughs> okay. But, it's not. A great repurposing. I will toss it out the window, the, the liquid out the window because it's that bad. Um, this is, and I think I figured it out. This is the old fashioned. And so I went down to the hotel uh, convenience store and so looked around to try to figure out what the best bang for the buck is because, you know, my my company does no longer pay for alcohol, so I'm having to pay for it myself. And and uh, alcohol in a hotel is way overpriced. Yeah. So, um, and I just now tonight figured out that they do delivery services in this town. So, oh. um, but I looked around and they had these on the rocks cocktails, and they had multiple versions. I think they had the aviation um, cocktail, which is a gin cocktail, the Cosmo. Um, a jalapeno pineapple margarita, oh. which first that oh, sounded God. like that sounded right up my alley. I was really no. with that one. It sounds like it needs to go to hell. <laughs> and I looked at all those, and they were all twenty percent alcohol. You know, you pour them over ice, so it, it waters it down a bit. You get about a, a 15 percent alcohol drink by the end of it. Um, and then I saw the old fashioned bottled, and I was like, "Ooh, thirty five percent alcohol on the on the thing." It says the ingredients are whiskey and bitters. I'm like, "All right, that's I mean, very simple." Old um, fashioned should never be already pre mixed. So I was thinking, like, okay, this is probably just whiskey with a little bit of bitters added in there already, so you can just pour it over and, and be good to go. I was wrong. let's let's start with the basics here it has sugar old fashions have sugar but it's got some sugar added already to it it doesn't say it but it is sweet so it has to have some sugar and then i was looking around and right underneath the so the flavoring the flavor of this tastes like tequila Oh, it, burn it! It, <laughs> it is literally the whiskey tastes like tequila. Oh, no. and I was looking around, and they may have used tequila because in the back of this, I looked, I looked and said, "Oh, that's just the government warning." You know, it's got to have that bold print. The government warning but, is this does not contain bourbon. And they <laughs> use tequila at the bottom of the government warning. It says it, it and actually it kind of. But is right up against it. In Mexico? It says, no, this was actually made in uh, Dallas, Texas. It's your first warning sign right there. Um, But it says, contains caramel color. Okay. Bourbons can do that. That's fine. And oak extract. Oh. Burn it. Ew. So I think they put either grain alcohol in here and added oak extract to it and called it whiskey. That would be the most likely thing I could think of. But it tastes like tequila. Sweet tequila with bitters added. That's horrible. I would lodge a complaint with them immediately. It is. And I looked on their Facebook page, 4.8 stars, you know, all these these high ratings. The only thing that I can say is I got a pretty cool bottle out of it because it's 200 milliliters. And I thought 15 bucks for 35% alcohol at 200 milliliters, that's got to be a pretty good uh, pretty good 
buy. Um, no, no, how it's many, not. How many bots do they have to get the It'll get you drunk. Yeah, it will. I don't know. It can't get you drunk because you can't drink it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my hope was that, yes, I would have some. And I brought Henry McKenna to the room with me this on this trip. So, you know, I brought my own just in case things like this would happen. <laughs> in case he's uh, like, no, but, we're but, drinking but McKenna. He said there needed to be a public service announcement. Yeah, exactly. Um, Warn others. Uh, indeed. It definitely needs to happen. Don't buy it. Any of these, uh, well, at least the old-fashioned cocktail. I don't know about the others, but people that drink this and give it a high rating have no idea what whiskey tastes like. I assume the rest would probably be similar. I mean, the others have vodka and gin in them, so I would hope that those would be more simple than whiskey. Yeah. Unless it's just all-grain alcohol with flavorings added. That would be my guess. That's probably the case, actually. Hmm. All right. I think so we, I now have a nice bottle. We've begun <laughs> yeah. droning on, and we are approaching a two-hour episode. It's been a while since that's happened. what we do, guys. <laughs> so you can visit haveadrinkshow.com for useful links and info about us. Also look for Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. You can, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, or you can just use the feedback page on the website. Yep, all joking fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Yes, and check us out next Saturday, our historical episode, uh, for the next episode. And remember to check out Patreon, patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>